Welcome to Envision, fostering a community for change. Your co-hosts are Ronnie Langer-Kroger and Thomas Rosenberg. In today's program, you'll meet fascinating people who are implementing innovative ideas to make a difference both locally and globally. Now, here is your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Envision. I'm your co-host, Ronnie Langer-Kroger. In this week's show, we're focusing on the gig economy. The gig economy took off in the aftermath of the financial crisis when those who lost their steady jobs during the downturn were out looking for jobs to make ends meet. And it has really gained traction with the proliferation of digital platforms, making it easier for businesses and consumers to quickly hire service providers on demand. According to Intuit, the gig economy now represents 34% of the workforce and will grow to be 43% by 2020. The gig economy presents freedom and flexibility for workers. However, thriving in the gig economy can be a challenge. With self-employment come the responsibilities of marketing oneself, trying to find work, and receiving the appropriate value for one's work. As a result, income can be irregular. In addition, gig workers must cover expenses that employers would typically handle, such as employment taxes, health insurance, and the general costs of running a business. Today, we'll be talking about a solution to help gig workers thrive. I have with me Josh Danielson, co-founder of Loconomics, a cooperative that allows service professionals to connect and offer services on a technology platform they own. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ronnie, and thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really great to have you here. Josh, can you talk a little bit about your background and what inspired you to start a technology platform for service professionals? Sure. I grew up uh, basically in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota, near Fargo, North Dakota, and studied business at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis, and then moved to San Francisco after graduation. That was 2002, which was just after the first dot-com bubble crashed. And after temping for about six months, I found a job at one of the few startups that survived, and then ended up moving into the travel industry a year later, working for Expedia for about six years, focused mainly on airlines before deciding on grad school. Um, It was while I was doing my MBA that I started using sharing economy platforms, which was about 2010, and they were still fairly new back then. And And since then, I've been an active user on both ends of the platform. Um, in various platforms. And really where where it started was I was really impressed with the features of the platforms and how they let me run my own small business. Um, And coincidentally, I'd gone to business school with the intention of starting a business um, that had some sort of social impact and wanted to do something specifically to fight wealth inequality through a responsible business. So I settled on a sharing economy platform for local services for a few reasons. Um, number one, the potential for impact is massive with the market estimated estimated to be between 400 and $800 billion in the U.S. alone. And services are generally environmentally friendly and sustainable, which is really important to me. Um, and most of these types of services won't be replaced with automation anytime soon. And the platforms that existed then and are taking up to 40% of service providers pay, and they still are just for making the connection to clients. And as you mentioned, Ronnie, we're gravitating towards a freelance economy. Research has shown that by 2025, over 40% of the workforce will be freelance and will likely include a, a, a full range of occupations. So really the opportunity was to create a platform that put workers first. So the technology platform you've developed is Two-Sided Marketplace. Can you describe how it works for both people looking for service providers and for the service providers themselves? Sure. Uh, As you mentioned, um, people have become quite accustomed to booking their services online, and Locanomics works in a very similar way. So if you're looking for cleaning services, for example, um, you would go to Locanomics.com and enter cleaning services into the search box, and we'll show you different cleaning professionals in your area. Um, then you can browse their listings and set up a consultation um, directly with one of them. Um, for example, Ana E migrated to the U.S. from Mexico about 10 years ago and now runs her own eco-friendly home cleaning business and also happens to be a board member of Locanomics. So you could schedule a consultation directly with her. She would come out and estimate what it would cost to clean your home, and then you'd be able to book the service on a regular basis directly through the platform. 
and also through the app, Ana E can schedule services with her existing clients, and then in that example, also connect to new clients. And then we also have a strong community element where workers can connect to fellow business owners, um, attend meetings, events, and accountability groups. Um, and over time, we, we want this network um, to boost Anae's client referrals from other workers on the platform, like massage therapists, dog walkers, and bookkeepers. And we really feel strongly that that community aspect will make the cooperative a stronger force over time. And additionally, as awareness around gig work grows, the fact that we don't take commissions will become a key value proposition for both clients booking those services and the, the service providers providing them. Great. Well, this seems like a typical use case for a platform in the gig economy. Your biggest differentiator is the cooperative ownership structure. What does that mean for the service providers and how does it work? Well, as you know, there's been hundreds of millions of dollars that have been invested into the sharing economy and their platforms. And typically, a venture-backed investment is looking for something like a 10x return. And their legal structures require them to maximize profits. And so far, that's meant that 10 to 40% commissions are taken from workers. And we wanted to flip that model to put workers in control. And the cooperative structure fit perfectly, although it hadn't at the time been applied to a technology platform in the U.S. Um, So we reached out to the Sustainable Economies Law Center back in 2014 and converted it to a cooperative. They helped us write some pretty innovative bylaws. And those bylaws mandate some powerful benefits to workers, um, the first of which is that they elect the majority of our board of directors. And that board oversees this team of staff to ensure that the platform is meeting their needs and the mission of the cooperative. And then the staff is also here to act on their behalf to handle the marketing of the platform, recruitment of new members, maintenance of the platform, building new features, and the general everyday operations like legal accounting and customer service. Um, and we don't and won't have commissions taking from transactions. Um, and then the real key differentiator is that um, when there are profits left over, they're distributed back to the workers and not some far-off investors. You and I have talked a lot, but I didn't realize that you had converted um, into a cooperative. What was that conversion process like for you? What, what did that entail? Well, we had a lot of help with uh, the Sustainable Economies Law Center. Um, they definitely, um, I guess, supported us. They've, they've worked with cooperatives for a number of years, but had never, I guess, done a technology cooperative. So Janelle Orsi, the executive director, she and I sat down, and it took almost a year to write the bylaws um, to ensure that, you know, that they, they created that checks and balances system because with the technology plan f- platform, it's much different than um, a typical cooperative or worker-owned cooperative like a grocery store or a bakery um, where potentially we're, we could deal with thousands of members. Um, so we, I, I think Janelle had a, a, like a, a really great foundation um, of the cooperative structure that we put into the bylaws. And then I added um, more of the, like how the technology would work and the business would run. So it, it runs as a sustainable business that we can compete against um, these for-profit platforms. Terrific. Did that conversion take any sort of mindset shift for you and the rest of your team? Well, you know, originally we started out as a benefit corporation, which had the People Planet Profit. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't really think of the cooperative model. And I was um, in business school. I attended responsible business conferences, and the cooperative model never came up, which was odd. Um, and I, I think, in terms of like the mind shift, we always had it in our in our minds that we wanted to put the workers first, but didn't have, but at the same time, keep it independent contractors that would be powering the platform, knowing that that's where the economy was headed. Um, So the benefit corporation didn't quite go far enough in our minds. Um, So the cooperative model didn't require necessarily a mind shift. It was really an answer to a solution that we'd been looking for. Wonderful. I know from my own experience promoting an organization with a cooperative structure, there's quite a bit of education involved in messaging the benefits of joining a cooperative. What has been the reaction among service providers to Loconomics cooperative ownership structure? Well, I definitely understand that. 
that, that challenge, um, and it's certainly a work in progress. And while the reaction we get is generally positive from service providers, um, we tend to lead with tangible benefits first so that they can compare to other platforms before mentioning the cooperative element. Um, and those benefits include the 0% commissions on all transactions, um, the software that can help them grow and maintain their business, and then the community of people and resources that are there to help them succeed. And then we explain to them the cooperative element and how in the long term, being cooperative will allow us to have the ability to offer things like discounts on health and business insurance plans, supplies and workspaces, um, and then offering uh, more sustainable legal and financial resources. How are you able to leverage the cooperative in order to, to be able to offer those other services? Um, and that, that's something that, you know, in, at the stage where we're at, we're, it's not quite there where we have the bargaining power. Um, however, I've like reached out to a number of different um, types of, I guess, target benefits that we'd like to offer. And there is, definitely interest when we have that momentum of a couple thousand members. Um, so it's, you know, a chicken and the egg issue, especially with bargaining power. Um, but we're hopeful that I, I, I think that it will resonate with service professionals that banding together will allow us to do such things. And in between, we've been able to like find, you know, at least do the research for them to, to ensure that they're choosing um, the best options out there for their business which may not include a discount at this point, but at some point it will. Mm -hmm. Are there any other models out there that have that kind of bargaining power that you've, you've modeled this after? Um, not specifically, but that certainly I've, I must've come across some, but none off the top of my head, but I mean, you can kind of think of it as like a purchasing power, uh, like there's purchasing co-ops, right? So that's, I guess would be the closest model. Um, for example, like Ace Hardware is a purchasing co-op and they allow small independent hardware stores across the nation to have that bargaining purchasing power that, um, you know, that a, a Lowe's or home improvement would, or home Depot would have, um, that, without that cooperative element, those independent business owners wouldn't have that. So I guess that would be probably the closest example. Um, we're going to take a short break. We're speaking with Josh Danielson from Loconomics Cooperative, and we'll be right back after this break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Is your community on a journey to build consensus or define a vision for the future? Do you want your organization and people to flourish? Are you feeling burnt out or seeking guidance to leave old patterns of thinking and being behind? Thomas Rosenberg has international experience in change leadership, consensus building, and organizational transformation. He guides leaders and change makers, their organizations and communities on their journeys of transformation. For more information and to contact him, visit Regenerate.coach. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You 
are listening to Envision. To find out more about the program or to leave comments and questions, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with Josh Danielson from Loconomics. We've been talking about how Loconomics is creating a cooperative of service professionals. Josh, the service industry is pretty large. Are there any specific types of service providers, sectors, or locations you are focusing on right now? We're currently focusing on the Bay Area, and we'll also start recruiting members across California over the summer. Uh, We're hoping to scale to other areas later this year or early next. We're looking at both Denver and Indianapolis through some partnerships with uh, CCA Global and some grassroots movements in each, each of those cities. In terms of sectors, um, we're, we're looking at recruiting professionals in healing professions, such as massage therapists, acupuncturists, Reiki practitioners, body workers, um, and then also pet care professionals, such as dog walkers, pet sitters, pet groomers, home care professionals, so cleaning professionals, window washers, uh, gardeners, and then teaching professionals like tutors, music teachers, healthcare professionals, chiropractors, psychotherapists, and the like, and then also fitness professionals, personal trainers, and nutritionists. And while that may seem like a pretty wide range, um, our booking system allows those different types of professions to schedule services, and the more complicated ones, um, clients can simply schedule a, a consultation and then take it offline if, if it's not able to be booked in a, a, through the platform. Um, and then the, the power of having those different professions is that they can connect and um, learn from each other through um, the cooperative and also bring together each one of their client bases so that um, a tutor's clients could find a cleaning professional and a cleaning professional's um, clients could find a dog walker. Great. So it seems like most of the service providers you're working with are personal service providers. Are there anything specific to that category of service providers that you know makes this platform uh, more uh, appealing to them? Well, we're focused on the the independent professional, so that they are running their own business, and it's in a you know business of one, so that they have one on one relationships with their clients. And you're when you book to the platform, you know that that's the person that you're hiring. Um, so the reason we wanted that is to focus on those personal relationships to kind of plant the seeds for for the platform. Um, and a lot of them have regular client bases, whereas a number of the other platforms, because of the, the commissions that they take, um, the client and the service professional are, are incentivized to take the relationship offline. Um, the way Loconomics works is since there are no commissions, they can keep booking through the same system. So we wanted to focus on those professions that had a recurring client base because we feel that that's the best way to seed the, the network of both service professionals and clients, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if there's no commissions, do you actually charge people anything for being on the platform? Yeah. So service professionals pay a member owner fee. Um, we're cooperative. So um, the fee ranges between 19 and $39 a month, depending on what features they're accessing and benefits. Um, and that goes to fund the platform um, and the operations. Um, and then anything left over gets distributed back to them as a dividend. And they're the only... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, clients do not pay a booking fee um, or commissions. Um, there is a small 3% credit card fee that the, the service professionals pay, but that's, that's exactly what we pay. And in terms of the dividend, um, the service providers are the only, only ones actually receiving a dividend? Yes, and um, well, I shouldn't say that. Also, employees of the cooperative, um, such as myself, like I wanted to be part of a workaround cooperative as well. So um, employees uh, receive dividends based upon the number of hours that they work for the, the company, and then service professionals receive dividends based upon the amount of member owner fees that they pay into the platform. And at the end of the year, if I work full-time for the year and a service professional pays their monthly dues, the average monthly dues, 
we'll end up getting the same dividend check. So there's no imbalance there, but it also incentivizes um, everyone involved to, you know, make this a success. Yeah, it seems to me that in order for the platform to take off, you need a pretty solid network of engaged service providers. How is Lokonomics building out that network and engaging them as a community? You're, you're exactly right. And that's something we realized is incredibly important. Um, and we're about to launch Lokonomics.coop, um, which is our members-only platform. And that's where owners can engage with other owners, resources, and directly with staff. Um, and that they can also form and become part of accountability groups which is a smaller network of professionals still through the same platform, but they're able to get to know each other on a more personal level, motivate each other and foster referral relationships. Um, And then also through that platform, we're able to connect directly with members, get their feedback on the platform that helps shape new features. And then Locanomics.com still remains the place where um, owners can engage with clients and clients can find professionals. Terrific. So in the in the co-op platform, do you envision that some of these uh, service providers will want to even start their own cooperatives over time? Yes, and we've we've spoken with um, Sustainable Economies Law Center, um, and I've actually spoken to you about this too, and that's something that we hope will happen. Currently, the platform isn't quite capable of managing a worker-owned cooperative that isn't, that's more than one person, but we want the platform to evolve so that it will supply the technology needs in terms of like the marketing and booking um, tools for a worker-owned cooperative um, that's a little bit larger. Um, so that's something that we hope to, to, I guess, evolve to, and there's no better way than to have that evolve from the, the individual professionals on the platform. Um, but the good news is that we have the support of the Sustainable Economies Law Center t- so that they can access those resources and know exactly what it entails in forming their own worker-owned cooperative, because a number of them, from what I've learned um, both personally and through our partner organizations is that uh, a lot of the the professionals want the community, but to go through and like create their own legal structure is something that's pretty daunting. Um, so it it isn't something that everyone's interested in, but through Lokonomics, they'll be able to determine whether or not that's something that's right for them. Great. You also recently announced a major partnership with the California Community Colleges, collaborating on their Doing What Matters on Jobs in the Economy program. Can you talk a little bit about that collaboration? Yeah, we met them back in June as they'd been working uh, with the Institute for the Future on a project entitled Self-Employment Pathways in the Gig Economy, um, which, as you mentioned, is part of the college's Doing What Matters for Jobs in the Economy small business sector program. And what that entails is that um, they're going to be offering a few different courses in 24 of their colleges this year. And... They want their students prepared for a rapidly changing economy um, that's quickly shifting towards freelance, so freelancing. So they wanted to be ahead of the game. And they wanted a, a user-friendly gig platform for their students to onboard as part of their courses. So as part of our partnership, students uh, will be able to create job listings on Lokonomics. And we'll assist them in finding work opportunities, tracking their earnings um, in and outside of Lokonomics, and supporting them in transitioning into the independent workforce as small business owners. And then the courses that they'll be taking are, are teaching them how to become prepared to be small business owners. So the, the platform is the complement to that, to the classroom education and connecting them to the real-world gigs um, and so that they can learn as they go. And then when they graduate, they're able to launch their own business if that's something that they, they, they choose to do. And the colleges are also going to be promoting student listings um, through their extensive network of small businesses across the state, as well as their internal departments. So that'll also help drive traffic to Lokonomics. Great. When does that roll out? 
So we are just putting the finishing touches on some features specific to them. The course has just started, so they should start to onboard over the next month um, and then continue on throughout the, re- the rest of the year. And are you rolled out in all, rolling out in all 24 colleges at the same time? That is the plan, yes, which is very That's exciting. A- that is really exciting, and that seems like a pretty massive undertaking. Um, how are you managing that? With a little bit of help. So um, we've been lucky to get um, their support, and they're they're incredibly helpful in, in terms of, like, helping us um, manage the features that the students want and testing and ensuring that the platform meets their needs, um, but also being realistic about how that fits into our real-world needs of the platform. Um, so they've been incredibly helpful and we've been able to hire a few different contractors to help us out and complete that project. Terrific. And, you know, as you roll out features on the platform, how do you look at those and and prioritize what features you should be rolling out right now and in the future? Yeah, what we've focused on, um, in the beginning are uh, network independent features. So those features that don't require us having like thousands of visitors to the platform every day. Um, So uh, a service professional that comes across Loconomics or a student that's just starting out their business or they're, you know, at a a later stage in their business can start using the tools in Locanomics, such as the scheduling features, client management, and then they could even use their listing as as their own website if they don't have one. So those are features that allow them to get started right away and using the the platform along with the uh, .coop aspect too, where they can connect to other members. So we've been focusing upon those features that um, don't require them to have a huge client base and don't require us to have a, a high traffic base while we grow it. Excellent. And what are some of the features that you're looking to add in the near term or that you can talk so about? We just, we're currently adding the earnings tracking feature so that um, a professional could be earning on a number of different platforms, but they can track all of it in one place. Um, and we want to add to that as well expense tracking, um, but specifically catered towards the independent professional. We're not trying to be a QuickBooks um, or even a FreshBooks. We just want to um, cater to that individual running their independent gig business. Um, and then scheduling, we're going to be adding a few new features that ensure that it's competitive against scheduling other scheduling platforms. And we're priced so that um, the $39 they pay a month that includes the scheduling software is something that they'd already be paying other um, platforms. And if you kind of break it down, um, service professionals pay between 10 and $40 a month for a scheduling software package. They'll pay 15 to $30 for a bookkeeping solution. And then a client management solution could cost them another 10 to $15. Um, so what we're trying to do is combine those features, catering specifically towards independent professionals um, so that they can take those costs and put it into a cooperative platform that they actually own the tools and have influence over the features and then profit from when there are profits. So in essence, they, you know, don't necessarily have to get on a, you know, QuickBooks and some of these other platforms um, because they can literally do most of the work through Loconomics. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say that they could do everything right now, but that's the goal in the near term um, mm-hmm. so that they can use Locanomics as their one base. And in doing so, what ends up happening is that they'll use Locanomics to schedule any clients that they have, and then those clients um, will learn of Locanomics and can find other professionals through the platform. Um, but we have to have those initial, that initial base so that the professionals are able to do that and that network effect can really take hold. Yeah, and you and I talked about, because you were looking at a bunch of different different features to roll out at first, and you landed on the scheduling uh, piece of it. Uh, why was that the most important piece? Well, I think it's something that a number of professionals struggle with um, in terms of staying organized, but also it's the heart of any, I guess, marketplace. Um, if you look at it, uh, these other platforms, it's the the, the ability to, to schedule the interaction between the client and the professional that's that's the most important part of the the platform along with payments. Mm -hmm. Um, But by giving the 
the ability for those professionals to book clients outside of the, the platform on their own um, and using the software to do that, that allows them to build a client base both for, them, for themselves and for the cooperative. Um, so we felt like that was essentially the, like one of the smartest ways that we could grow the network um, by having those professionals um, bring on their existing client bases. So scheduling was the, the easiest way to do that. Yeah, and how do you make it easy for them to bring on their existing client base? Um, we have a, essentially right now, um, we're working on a feature where they can import their existing clients from other um, sources. Um, but beyond that, it's just the education of how important it is to um, have everything in one place and stay organized and the, the benefits of you know them being part of the cooperative and that their clients can find their fellow colleagues through the cooperative. Are you also dealing with, um, you know, some service providers that are, you know, have their booking system mostly on phone and and over email and and trying to get them onto the platform? What is that like? Yeah, yeah. There's some that still still love the the pen and paper, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, to the to the the professionals where it isn't broken, they'll gain benefits from just being part of the the cooperative in general, and we have ways where they can take it offline if that's really their choice. Um, but it's educating them on how important and how important that the, I guess the landscape's changing. Clients do expect to see a schedule online and the ability to book online. And um, while a lot of professionals may be doing it the old way, sooner or later they're going to have to transition to what clients expect. Excellent. We're going to take another short break and we'll be right back. We're speaking with Josh Danielson from Loconomics Cooperative. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Is your community on a journey to build consensus or define a vision for the future? Do you want your organization and people to flourish? Are you feeling burnt out or seeking guidance to leave old patterns of thinking and being behind? Thomas Rosenberg has international experience in change leadership, consensus building, and organizational transformation. He guides leaders and change makers, their organizations and communities on their journeys of transformation. For more information and to contact him, visit Regenerate.coach. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvin Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to Envision. To find out more about the program or to leave comments and questions, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are speaking with Josh Danielson from Loconomics Cooperative. Loconomics is a cooperative that allows service professionals to connect and offer services on a technology platform they own. Josh, between building out the platform, creating a network, and your collaboration with the community colleges, you've come a long way. And I understand that you don't have any big-time investors. 
Um, how is Lokonomics funding itself? Well, since we're not a typical for-profit and we're not uh, a 501c3, attracting funding has been very challenging, uh, but we've persevered. And really that boiled down to that the ability that we've been able to attract help from a number of freelance web developers, marketers, lawyers, and nonprofits who have offered their expertise both on a pro bono and deferred invoice basis, um, which is very non-traditional. Um, and while the platform has taken a lot longer to build this way, workers still maintain 100% control. And that was really important to me. And we feel that it's imperative that it remains that way. So there are no equity shareholders in the, the cooperative structure, um, which is not, um, is, it's fairly atypical, I think, but we wanted to be a patronage-based cooperative so that everything, like all the profits are distributed back to those who help generate those profits and not some outside investor. Um, and if we had to do it all over again, it could be that we would have found an impact and invest impact investor that would have been um, willing to give us a loan or something like that, but that it hasn't worked out that way. Um, but that, that ability to have a 100% patronage base is the, what we feel is like the best way to fight inequality because wealth inequality starts with someone owning a, like a business and having just a typical employee relationship where that wealth doesn't shift. Um, certainly income might shift, but wealth doesn't shift. So having ownership be 100% by the workers was what we felt was the only way that we could do this in a sustainable way. Um, we've been fortunate enough to receive some grants from the Institute for the Future, as well as from Rainbow Groceries Cooperative Grant Program here in San Francisco. And then um, personally, like I've been able to do this because I've... Um, taken out some no-interest credit cards and have been able to um, been pretty savvy with how I manage that. And then I also, um, I actually am a host on Airbnb, so that helps me keep my rent down and um, the ability to keep doing this, as well as taking on some side consulting gigs. And essentially, the end goal is that member owner fees, um, which, as I mentioned, are between $19 and $39 monthly. Um, that is our main source of revenue, and we will be sustainable at 1,500 members, um, which we're in a position to start recruiting um, not just students but non-students, um, and we hope to reach that number by the end of the year. And then that gives us a monthly budget to keep scaling, but also we can hire a full-time staff of three or four people to ensure that we have the ability to fulfill all those obligations. Um, and then from that point, we just hope to replicate and scale partnerships with other organizations. Yeah, this is really different from some of the other platforms that are out there that are doing similar things like um, TaskRabbit or even Uber or Airbnb um, because they've taken on billions of dollars in investment. And, you know, what have been the the challenges in finding investment for a cooperative at the same kind of scale or just even at any scale um, for you? Well, it's been incredibly challenging in the sense that um, we're not a typical anything. So um, to typical cooperative investors, they're looking for a more traditional business. And same thing with small business loans. Um, they expect you to use the money to buy office furniture, for example, or some sort of physical capital that they can hold a lien on. Um, but with a technology platform, that just that doesn't work. Um, we're not a candidate for crowdfunding because, well, it seems like it'd be the perfect model for it. The crowdfunding isn't quite there yet to fund for an app. Um, we found that people want to or very excited about funding something tangible like a, a physical product, but something like a, an app just isn't quite there yet. Um, and that's why we focused on building the platform to have a tangible product that instead of crowdfunding, we can actually sell the platform um, for a monthly fee. Um, and then in terms of seeking out other investment, that still real, like the platform cooperative movement is still quite new. And as far as I know, there's only been a couple platforms that have been funded by, I guess one in particular that's been funded by a nonprofit, um, but that's about 
market. Uh, I know that there's um, one in Canada that was started by the founders, but that came from their own personal capital. Um, and then beyond that, it's just not, it's not, it's starting to be on the radar, I would say, for the impact investment community. Um, but that's, that's all I can, like, that's, that's all there, it is at this point. You mentioned a movement, the platform cooperative movement. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and what is that? Yeah, so back in 2014, um, I was contacted by um, a journalist named Nathan Schneider, and he is a uh, professor, also a professor at UC Boulder, and was kind of writing about the sharing economy and, like, you know, poking holes in the Uber model and, like, why isn't there something out there, like, where the workers had more control? And he was also affiliated with um, Trevor Schultz from the New School, also a professor, and they coined the term platform cooperativism. Um, so we got invited to a conference in 2016 and learned that there were, there were others like us, um, not just in the U.S., but around the world, um, that were working towards solutions um, to, to put workers first in um, a technology business. Um, and since then, you know, we've stayed in touch. I've gone back to the conferences and... Um, you know, we get to see that there certainly is the biggest struggle is funding. Um, there's no shortage of um, ideas on how to implement things. It's, it's the funding to, to actually execute them that, that's still missing. Um, but beyond that, though, I think that there are a lot of exciting projects and um, brilliant minds working on this. So that, that community is really important, especially like starting your own business and then finding out there's, there are no businesses like you is, is a really lonely place. But that platform cooperative movement really helped keep us going because it's, it's great to have community. And then meeting people like yourself, Ronnie, that were, you know, doing a, also a, a very innovative model um, is, is also great to see. And um, I think that that's one of the in kind of Sympathizing with independent professionals is a very similar road, right? You, want, you need community to do something and stay motivated. So replicating that within Loconomics for those that are, are seeking out all, all these types of um, professions is, is really important and something that we can actually relate to. Yeah, it's just cooperative principles, right? Cooperation among cooperatives? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and focus on the future of Locanomics. How do you see Locanomics expanding over the next year? Well, right now, our number one priority is um, to fulfill the partnership that we have with the California Community Colleges and ensure that um, their students are onboarded and they are happy with the features that they're using um, and that we give them everything that they need to um, expand and, and grow demand within the state. And then adding on to that, like we want to achieve other, other partnerships. And I think that's our, our, our strongest, I guess, our strongest opportunity for growth. Um, we've spoken with, um, former, we've spoken with um, a couple nonprofits in the Bay Area, um, Prospera, which is focused on cooperatives in the Latina community. Um, and then also the Bay Area Association of Black-Owned Businesses. Um, and both of which are, you know, attract a number of independent workers. Um, Prospera actually helps form worker-owned cooperatives, but they still attract a number of um, immigrants that want to just be part of a cooperative, too, that are independent currently. So we have plans to hire community managers to work with each of these partners and recruit members in and outside of these communities. And um, it's also a possibility that we'll be in contact and seek out other education partners as well. Because the one thing that um, is, is fairly hard to do is convert people, professionals, from what they're already doing. But when you get students starting out, they don't, they're essentially brand agnostic. So they're, they're willing to try something new, and they don't already have preset their, their habits. Um, so we have plans to reach out to trade schools, not just um, higher education, but trade schools, um, like massage therapy schools, chiropractic schools, esthetician schools, um, and replicate what we're doing with the, the community colleges in, in those settings as well. 
Terrific. For groups like um, Prospera and um, the Bay Area Organization of Black-Owned Businesses, how do you are you do you intend to create like sub communities within the cooperative? That's something that we talked about, and I think something that we'll have to probably do some trial and error and seeing if there is um, demand for that, um, and you know, I guess really gauge the the interests of their member membership based, um, and kind of go from there. Because we have a, a lot of um, levers that we can pull in in the dot co op platform where we can create subgroups. Um, and something that we can definitely turn on and off, um, but I don't see why not. Terrific. Um, what is it, you know, what is your ideal partner um, besides the, the schools, you know, in the nonprofit and, and business sectors? You know, I, I think there are a number of organizations, and I was speaking with someone last week, um, that there are... Uh, a couple hundred organizations actually that help small independent businesses um, launch. And um, so we'd love to partner with those types of organizations and nonprofits. Um, Typically though, what I learned is that their outcomes are measured on um, their constituents getting full-time employment. And the gig economy is a different world. It isn't a, it isn't a full-time paycheck that they're getting every week. So it, those attitudes have to shift towards what we know is already happening and independent work is here to stay, where their success criteria can include people starting their own independent businesses um, that aren't going to be hiring employees. That is, that is them solely. Um, but I feel like there are a number of organizations and we are going to start reaching out to them this summer in, in hopes of creating a partnership strategy that we can replicate um, and keep, uh, I guess, help them ensure that they, we, we help them meet their success criteria, um, similarly to what we're doing with the colleges, um, but be able to cater it to each partner. Terrific. I know it takes a lot of capacity to grow a cooperative due to the shared ownership and governance responsibilities. How do you see Loconomics scaling that sustainably? We wrote the bylaws in such a way that planned for that sort of scale, knowing that the cooperative could potentially grow to thousands of members. Uh, we adopted a what Janelle from the Sustainable Economies Law Center calls a staff trusteeship model. And what that does is it delegates the day-to-day operations, as I was talking about before, to staff member, members who are then entrusted with fulfilling the mission. And we don't take that lightly. Um, to ensure that it's done in the cooperative spirit, we've adopted a collaborative design process rooted in agile software development principles, um, where feedback from members is put through this process to help guide staff at the day-to-day operations or activities of staff members. Um, and then the board plays a crucial role in ensuring that this process runs smoothly and adheres to the mission. And just a reminder that that board is elected by service professionals. They, they are service professionals themselves. Um, so as we scale, we'll create a little bit more diversity in terms of like locations um, where those board members come from. Um, but members are encouraged to participate with both their feedback through the platform and then also running for the board, um, but they're not required to. And I think that might be the key differentiator um, with us versus a number of cooperatives is that we're, we're kind of like be as active or inactive as you like, um, but there's, they'll still share in the profits either way. And, and I think that what we've done is with the bylaws, we ensure that the typical incentives for employees we strip those away. We cap salaries. We ensure that um, there is that oversight, but let the staff do what they're good at with, because they're basically acting on their behalf and almost all of our activity is driven or driven by user feedback and owner feedback that um, it doesn't require, you know, the typical involvement of a, of an offline cooperative. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. You get some similarities between us at Optima in terms of, you know, how people can be more or less involved depending on, uh, on, on where they're at and how much they want to put into it. 
Yeah, and I, I get the, you know, I get that from a, a number of professionals like, oh, does that mean I have to show up for meetings? You know, and it'd be exactly. great if they did, but having that added requirement would inhibit us from scaling, I think. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a model that we're going to have to evolve if we find something isn't working. And that's the beauty of these bylaws is that they're, they're a living document. Um, so if something isn't working, we can, we can amend them. Yeah, totally. Um, so from a macro standpoint, what do you see as the future of the gig economy over the next five years or so? And how will you play into that? So I think in, inevitably we'll see a shift from the wide variety of competing platforms today where you have an app for dog walking, an app for handymen, you have an app for massage therapy, into just a handful facilitating transactions for freelancers. And I think, you know, in terms of, like, the sustainability of their business models, they're going to rely heavily on how they engage with their workers. I'm optimistic that platform cooperatives, such as Economics, can shift wealth from the more extractive platforms directly to the workers powering them through that engagement. Um, and the Institute for the Future has done some work on what are called universal basic assets, and they touch upon digital platforms such as Wikipedia and education resources as being, um, in quote, open assets, Um, and we see platform cooperatives as kind of a bridge between today's privately owned platforms to an asset that is more open, and with the legal structure that we have now, it ensures that private ownership is egalitarian and democratic, and from the workers, right? So it is it is still a capitalistic organization. It's just that capital comes from the workers and stays with the workers. And then we want this asset, the platform, to evolve continually to meet the needs of workers in the future. Great. One last question before we wrap up. How can our audience get involved with Loconomics? Well, so first off, if you provide local services, we'd love for you to go to loconomics.coop and sign up and get acquainted with other members. Uh, we're offering the first three months free at this point. And then if you are a potential client, you can go to loconomics.com. And on the homepage, you'll see places uh, to both sign up for a newsletter. And then if you know service professionals, you can introduce us to them and um, tell them, you know, tell them what you heard and see if they could benefit from Locanomics and we'll send them a note. And we'd love the support and thank you in advance. Yeah. Thank you so much, Josh. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Ronnie. Today we spoke with Josh Danielson about how Locanomics Cooperative provides local service professionals with the tools, marketplace and community that empower them to thrive in their work. Look for announcements on our voiceamerica.com homepage and you will find a recording of today's show and other shows and social media links. And if you're looking for support on building a freelance business, small business, or startup with positive community impact, please visit us at Optima Business Bootcamp. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm Ronnie Langer-Croger and this is Envision. you for tuning in this week to Envision. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. For more information about today's guests and upcoming shows, please see our show page on voiceamerica.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.